Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm very happy to have you back here. This is episode 19, and we're going to really take you back to basics in a way. Uh, for anyone that has not listened to the pilot episode of the Kaderna Podcast, I strongly encourage you to do so because that lays the groundwork to a lot of the financial planning uh, ideology that we discuss throughout this show. And for those of you who have maybe not heard that yet, just to bring you up to speed, what we focused on was the five pillars of financial planning. All right, and it's, it's a chronological order that we like to follow in which we can't skip any of those steps if we wanna have a sound financial plan. All right, so the very first of those steps was protection first, okay? And just to give you the rest, if you haven't seen it, it was protection and then managing high interest rate debt, building liquidity, uh, building foundational wealth and then maximizing growth okay to achieve you know financial freedom so the first one protection first all right first folium forever as you might remember me saying what we're going to talk about today is kind of in that vein where we're going to address life insurance okay so life insurance that topic you know I hear that come up a lot when we sit down you know maybe with that young couple they got a baby on the way or maybe you know they do actually have their first child and They've finally been able to kind of reestablish some normalcy and get their sleep pattern back. And they kind of, you know, come back to reality and say, hey, you know what? We ought to take a look at life insurance now. It's not just us. We got a family here. All right. That's probably the most common scenario where we see the introduction to life insurance. Granted, there's many, many other uses. Uh, but what we're going to address today, because there's so many ways we could take this, we're going to talk about how much life insurance is the right amount. Right, there's a lot of kind of myths out there, a lot of misconceptions. You know, is something too much? Do we have too little? Am I worth more dead than alive? All right, do I need to watch my back when my spouse is in the room? You know, some of those jokes or quips that we hear. So let's take a look at this. Uh, we'll address a lot of those myths, but we'll kind of take a scientific look at things and see is there a methodology we should follow to come up with the right amount? What's the smart amount? Okay. So big picture, I mean, if we look back just last year, 2018, there were 27.8 million life insurance policies purchased, okay? That's just policies that were purchased. We're not even getting into face amount, and we're not talking about policies that have been in existence for years or decades before that. So obviously, this is a gigantic industry, so we need to understand it because it is crucial to a financial plan. So what are some of the reasons, just to kind of use as a launch pad to our conversation? Of course, you might hear, you know, we're having a family, you know, be a responsible parent. We got to protect that family. Let's go get life insurance. A lot of the other reasons that you might hear is, well, I just got married. You know, I, I'm, I'm in love and I want to protect my spouse forever. God forbid something should happen to me. There's, you know, maybe I'm a young single guy, but I just took out a lot of student loans and mom or dad co-signed with me. So... Heaven forbid something happens, I don't want to leave them with all that debt now as they're trying to plan for their retirement and so forth. There's quite a bit, obviously, in the business space where maybe we just took out a small business loan to you know, lease a space that we're working out of or to buy some new equipment. So now we're on the hook to that bank and they want an assignment from our life insurance policy. So again, they're not left holding the bag. There could be buy-sell agreements. 
Um, there could be talking about college planning and making sure that we can fulfill that college bill for our kids someday. Uh, oftentimes, anyone out there that's bought a house may realize, hey, when I got that mortgage, all of a sudden I was getting mailers left and right, you know, asking to sell me all this different life insurance. All right, so lots of times we talk about there's a big debt, maybe our number one debt. We've got to insure that. We've got to protect it. Okay, so a lot of different reasons for life insurance, but I think to kind of take a grasp of that and that recognition of, all right, I need life insurance. Maybe I need it for an immediate need, or maybe I'm foreseeing down the road. I want to be proactive and make sure that when that day comes, I already have those obligations fulfilled. All right, so to take a step back saying, who should have life insurance or how much as we get to that point of our conversation, ultimately it's anyone who feels that they have an obligation to another, a financial obligation to another, which that could be another entity, a family member, a business partner, a friend, a colleague, um, anywhere that you feel you are providing worth and that if you were no longer here, that value would disappear. And it's imperative that that value be replaced. So does everybody need to have life insurance? I guess in short, that answer is no. Um, there are folks out there that I don't want to say they don't bring any value, but maybe not. they're not at that level yet. They're not to that maturity. Uh, or maybe we're talking about kids um, or a single guy that says, you know, I, I don't really have any family, nieces, nephews, any responsibility yet. So do I need life insurance? You could make the argument, no, it's not necessary. But we want to think about maybe right, right, not right now, but what about down the road? Okay, so being proactive in any aspect of financial planning will likely yield you benefits. In life insurance, that's no different because the way that they price life insurance contracts is going to be based upon your gender, your age, and your health. Okay, so our gender is what it is, obviously. Our age, we know that every day that we live, you know, sadly, we are getting closer to our death. So naturally, the cost of insurance is going to be a little bit higher each year that we defer. Okay. And then the third one, health, I think that might be the most important in which you might say, you know what, I'm 25, I'm single, I don't need life insurance yet. But of course, I do want to get married. I do want to have a family. I might even open a business someday. So I do have all these future goals. Yes, I could perhaps save quite a bit of money locking in as a 25-year-old than as a 32-year-old. So we get that economic standpoint. But you might argue, you know what, I'll kind of roll the dice. I'll wait till I'm 32. Maybe I'll be in a much better financial position. We'll cross that bridge then. Okay, but then let's look at that third leg of the stool I mentioned. Again, there's gender, age, and health. Okay, so at 25, we might be some young stud ready to go. And then in between 25 to 32, those seven years, what if a health issue arises? What if all of a sudden we go and we kind of have a bad physical or we developed sleep apnea or we have some severe reflux or we came down with some sort of illness? All of these things could impact the medical underwriting necessary to obtain life insurance. So that question, which I just want to get out of the way before we get to our title here, which of course is how much life insurance I want to understand and have my listeners understand when. When do we get life insurance? Do we wait? You can. Or if we look at it from an economic standpoint, what is the absolute best time? It's the day after you were born. Okay. 
you will never find life insurance cheaper, cheaper and probably easier to obtain than on an infant, okay? And I, I've actually implemented several policies, many policies, I should say, for clients of mine on zero-year-olds, okay, where they're actually not even one yet. Um, but we put that insurance in force, it's locked away, and then that, that toddler, that infant, is essentially set for life in respect to life insurance, okay? So there's certainly that argument, all right, if you want to be super proactive in that sense, that's something a parent or grandparent could do for an infant. But the other argument one might say is, well, technically the best time to get life insurance is the day before you die. And I think that that is also very valid, you know, but unfortunately we don't have that crystal ball. So we know we're not getting any younger and we don't have that crystal ball of, you know, when is our time here going to be up? Okay, that's kind of like, I'm going to forego getting any homeowner's insurance or any flood insurance or anything of that effect. But then I'm going to call up the insurance company when I see that my next door neighbor's house is a blaze of fire and it's moving over towards my house. Again, that's too late. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to go buy some huge policy at that point of the game. All right, so think about when, again, my message there is being proactive, okay? Uh, it's something that I don't think anyone looks back on and says, oops, yeah, I locked in a cheaper policy too early, but I unfortunately have seen many, many instances of, you know, I waited a little bit too long, now it costs too much, or I got a bad rating, or I couldn't get approved because I developed this health issue. All right, so be that as it, as it may, I think that's kind of the first thing to address is the question of when. The next one that, again, I want to get out of the way is the product. There's a lot of conversation on what kind. Do I want a term policy? Do I want a universal life policy? Do I want a whole life policy, an indexed policy, a yearly renewable term policy? Is it a 10-year, a 20-year, or a 30-year? What's the, what's the right type of life insurance to get? In my opinion, that's kind of all secondary, which I'll get to in a moment. But looking at, at all those products, that's kind of akin to saying, you know, a, a youngster looking at buying, you know, a, a race car, or their dream car someday, and they haven't even gotten their driver's permit. All right. That is the epitome in my mind of putting the cart before the horse. Okay. So certainly you're going to have that conversation and that decision of what type of life insurance but what is so much more important than that is determining how much coverage do we need first and then let that guide the conversation of what kind, okay? So without further ado, let's talk about, you know, how do you calculate how much life insurance do I need, all right? That is the ultimate title of today's episode. So a couple ways you could do this. A lot of people will kind of spitball it, for a lack of a better term, where they'll come into my office and say, hey, Bri, I just want to have enough life insurance to put me in the ground. All right, so whatever you think that might cost, let's start there, uh, the casket and the burial. Others might say, hey, you know, we're talking all this college planning. I just want to have enough that I know I can send my kids to college if something should happen to me. All right, then you have other folks that'll say, oh, I heard a rule of thumb, 10 to 12 times earning, and that's, that's it. You're set no matter where you're at, 10 to 12 times your earnings. Uh, sometimes I hear a million bucks, kind of like a millionaire. That, that would be such a, a nice round number to leave behind. So you have that. And then unfortunately, there's a lot of people I deal with. They say, you know what? I don't need any life insurance because when I'm gone, it's I won't be here to decipher all that. It's not my problem. 
All right. You might say, is that being a little bit selfish? I'll let you listeners decide. But these are all, you know, uh, words or conceptions that I hear quite a bit in the business. Okay. But if we want to be a little bit more prudent and say, you know, isn't there a science to this? Let's take a look at it from kind of two widely recognized schools of thought to determine how much life insurance to acquire. The first one is essentially to tally up all of those financial obligations or liabilities that you're on the hook for. Okay, so if we sit down and, and we say, all right, we've got Mr. 30 year old here with the, the two little toddlers, you know, recently married five, four years ago, whatever it may be. And he's saying, I want to determine all my future expenses. So we got the kids going to college. Uh, let's see, U.S. News is saying that in-state tuition averages $10,116 a year. So let me take that number, multiply it by four, take that number, multiply it by two for each of my kids. College education, check that box. That's set. Then we look at, you know, well, I'm going to spend, you know, $5 a meal, or my wife, my widowed wife would spend $5 a meal, three meals a day, 15 bucks a day you know, 365 days a year over another 50 years, okay, until she's 80, that's just over $273,000. All right, maybe I got a mortgage on the house, the balance outstanding is 350 grand, so we'll add that in there. And before you know it, we add up all these kind of things that we're trying to jot down here, and we come up to a value of, you know, about $800,000, all right? Granted, we may have missed some expenses, we may have totally overlooked the greatest wealth eroding factor of inflation and whatever what ifs could have been thrown into the mix as well. But that's a starting point. Okay, so that's essentially tallying our financial obligations and projecting future expenses and liabilities. And so in that quick hypothetical I gave you, that gentleman might say, let me get an $800,000 life insurance policy and I'll feel comfortable. I can go to sleep at night. And then you go into the conversation of what kind, what duration, what type, permanent term, all that other stuff. Okay, that's one school of thought. The other one that I think most professional advisors adhere to is what's called human life value. Okay, so human life value was a thought that, uh, or a concept, I should say, that was designed by Dr. Solomon Hubner. Okay, he's a professor at the business school at UPenn, famous business school we all know as Wharton. And he came up with this idea of human life value. And simply what that said is if you're in your 30s, it's going to be 20 times income. If you're in your 40s, it's 15 times income. If you're in your, if you're in your 50s, it's 10 times income. And then thereafter, you might be coordinating uh, kind of more circumstantial with your retirement and estate planning goals. All right, But that factor of age and income, uh, I think, really simplifies things. So if we have a 35-year-old that's making 100 grand a year, all right, 100 times 20, that's a $2 million human life value. So what that is, is that's the amount of money that's going to come into the household or the family and provide as if that, that breadwinner had not passed away. Okay, so essentially calculating uh, the earnings potential of that individual's career, and we're now replacing that with a tax-free death benefit. That's probably the most sound philosophy uh, to get an influx of capital when needed most so that that family or that business, what have you, can move forward uh, in the most efficient way possible. All right. Yes, that does often generate a larger number than kind of our, uh, you know, back of the napkin numbers might add up to. 
but that's probably the correct way of doing things, okay? And then again, we can get in the conversation of what products or solutions fit the bill, but human life value is the way to really uh, create the most or the most efficient and effective life insurance plan when we're talking about protection first, okay? So hopefully that was helpful, guys. Um, you know, if we look at LIMRA statistics today, they show that about 57% of American adults have life insurance. So some of them are following that school of thought, some are not. And then obviously we have unfortunately a large population or portion of the population that doesn't have life insurance for one reason or another. Maybe that's warranted, maybe it's not. But again, get in the know, have this conversation, think about these things. Remember oftentimes when we feel that we need it most, is when unfortunately we can't get it, okay? So it pays to be proactive, but don't just jump right in, you know, go through some of these exercises to determine how much life insurance, insurance should I be carrying and is it too much or too little, all right? I hope that was helpful, guys. And now I wanna leave you with some fun facts because of the feedback I've gotten, uh, we liked the trivia early on that we were doing when we had the little raffle going on. And uh, most recently with the guests that we've had on, um, you know, some of the, the best feedback I've, got, I've gotten is on the lightning round where we kind of get into trivia about our guest. So no guests today. You're just looking at me and my happy mug. But uh, I want to give you some life insurance trivia. Okay. So when we first went to the moon, we had Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. What did they want before they went up into outer space? Life insurance. All right. They had families, bright futures ahead of them. And we're doing maybe the most daring and dangerous endeavor of their time. And something I still can't wrap my head around that we can go out into outer space all the way to the moon. It's, it's incredible. But they were the first. They were the pioneers to do it. And they said, man, this is crazy. We ought to have life insurance. Let's get it in order and protect our loved ones. Naturally, no insurance company was willing to offer life insurance on these individuals that were taking on such a crazy unknown and so what they actually did, they created their own life insurance policies by signing many, many autographs and then leaving it with their earthbound friends and family members so that in the event anything ever did happen, they said you could go right ahead and uh, essentially auction off all these autographs that we've left behind for you guys. All right, so kind of a roundabout way, kind of cool to have some life insurance. One of the questions I get a lot, because some people say, you know, once you reach a certain level of wealth, why do you need life insurance? Or once I reach maybe retirement years, do I still need it? So to that point in 1994, the largest life insurance policy ever sold uh, went to a gentleman in Silicon Valley. He bought a $201 million life insurance policy, $201 million. All right, prior to that, the largest policy was around $100 million. Okay, I mean round like the number, not around, but it was a $100 million policy to David Geffen. Okay, so obviously what they're doing there is they're, again, just trying to fulfill financial obligations. That's their permission slip to free up current day assets and know that they have a gigantic, in that case, uh, death benefit to do all the legwork of any of the aftermath, whether that be likely estate taxes in their case, or just leaving you know, a guaranteed tax favorable legacy to their heirs. Uh, craziest life insurance benefit I've ever heard of, not just in size, but Leona Helmsley, okay, she was often identified as the queen of mean. Um, she had a real estate and hotel empire that included the Empire State Building. And when she passed away, she left $12 million of life insurance 
in a trust and named as the beneficiary was her Maltese trouble. Okay, so there's 12 million bucks right there for the care of this little puppy. And where was the very first life insurance policy uh, ever created? So there's a lot of information uh, that's out there on technically what was the first, but the, the oldest that I could find was created by the Benevolent Societies. This was an organization uh, back in the, referenced in the Greek and Roman times around 600 BC. And what the Benevolent Society did is they collected members and charged their members a fee. And the promise was for collecting that fee that if one of those members should pass away, the organization would then financially care for uh, their family. Okay, so that was kind of the first real uh, way that we saw life insurance start to come about uh, with, you know, pooling some risk and bringing together these premiums from its members. So more than one way to skin the cat, as we've learned by the benevolent societies, all the way up to uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. So I hope this has been helpful, guys. I've enjoyed my time here with you today. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Thanks so much for listening to the Kaderna podcast. Please, please keep spreading the good word and uh, tune in anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Kaderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, 973-244-4420. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PASS is an indirect, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PASS or Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. PASS is a member of FINRA, SIPC, California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Kaderna Podcast is copyrighted Brian M. Kaderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in